How's it going, everybody? Happy Sunday, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. I'm Taylor. Uh, that's Billy over there somewhere, and, and we have a lot to get into today. Um, we got we got catfish on the ice, Billy. We got milestones on both ends of uh, people's careers. We got a 1500th game, 1,000th game, first goal, first point. Uh, we got a lot to uh, lot to get to today, but but let's start with the news of the day, I guess, and, and the transactions that happen. Um, Dennis Gurionov sent down. Uh, Hetherington sent down uh, because Monday looks like the return of both Roman Polak, who was sick uh, for the uh, Saturday tilt against the Preds, and uh, Alexander Radulov looks like he's coming back. But it gives us a good opportunity to uh, to get into the news story of of the week uh, for sure, and that's just the uh, the walking mash unit that the Dallas Stars defense corps has turned into as of late. It's it's been pretty brutal. Everybody's dead. That's just <laughs> everyone that's the is only hurt. way to put it. Everyone is hurt. Literally everyone. I'm I'm looking right here at the entire list of of uh, the Dallas Stars defensemen. Just in the, even in the organization, not just at the NHL level. Klingberg out a month had surgery on his hand, which gives us an opportunity. One of my favorite uh, NHL injury jokes is a hand injury, an upper or lower body injury. Billy, what do you think? Just depends on how he holds it. Yeah, depends on where he holds it. Classic, good one. So Klingberg out for a month uh, with the hand. Stephen John still. You know, who knows about his timetable with the uh, post-traumatic headaches, um, still dealing with stuff, hasn't practiced uh, in a while, and, and still kind of, you know, seems day in and day out with, with how close or far away he is. Mathot, um, you know, basically day-to-day for the entire season, it seems like, is how he's going to be. Uh, might be available on Monday. Nobody really knows. It really seems like one of those cases where literally for the entire year, he's going to kind of be a work in progress. Just how healthy are you today? Connor Carrick has the ankle, hasn't skated in, in a, over a week. Um, you know, it's going to take some time to work back once he even starts practicing. Bayreuther just came back to the AHL level and had some, uh, has had some good games, but had the knee injury. So pretty much up and down the entire <laughs> Stars defensive, uh, the whole organization, uh, the defensive players, it's, it's, uh, it's been a plague, man, and, and it's tough. There's already the, the one stat that really stands out um, beyond some other ones from Saturday's game because there were some hilarious ones just from the game against the Predators. But the Stars have already, I think, played 10 different defensemen this year and last season, maybe the last two seasons. I don't think they eclipsed nine different defensemen over the entire course of the season. So it's been, uh, it's been difficult, to say the least, with Klingberg obviously the, the biggest loss. The Klingberg loss is definitely pretty tough on the Stars, but I'm really happy that Radulov's coming back because I started to get worried. They made it sound like he's going to be out forever because he's had this weird, not undisclosed, but he's been out with this injury that he came back for one game and then re-injured himself. So maybe he's coming back and he's just going to play every five games. Maybe that's what he's going to do from now on. He's just going to play once and then he'll take four games off and then come back whenever we need him again. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, with um, I, I feel a little bit better about him being out uh, than I did at the beginning of the season. I think Val Nutrushkin has had some really, really nice games, um, the Predators game being one of them. Uh, you know, not a win for the Stars, but I think he's been really good. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe that line, even if they keep Ben and Sagan split up, you know, if Val drops down to take the spot, you know, where Gurionov was and, and Radulov's up on the top line, or, or we'll see what they do. Um, but I'm feeling better about the top six with Val starting to come around a little bit but as I mentioned some of those crazy stats um this was in the stars 2020 from from Sean Shapiro and I had I had looked them up as well but uh Lindell against the Predators by far the the most veteran defenseman the stars had 173 career games the rest including Honka 
who has, you know, has seen his fair share of NHL action, has only played 119 NHL games combined. And then also, P.K. Subban, he's going to be owed <laughs> $9 million as far as his uh, his cap hit this season. And the Stars cap hit on Saturday, the, the defensemen all combined, just over $6 million total. It was literally like at least basically three quarters an AHL defense. So the fact that the Stars were able to get a point, I know it's disappointing the way it happened, you know, being up 3-1 before the catfish incident, (laughs) I guess would be a way to put it, Uh, and then not closing it out, going up uh, 4-3 late. But, you know, like I was telling you before when we were talking about this game, if you would have handed me a piece of paper with the Stars' defensive lineup in one column and a place to sign my name to just automatically earn them a point, and the other, I'd have I'd have signed it with with no doubts because I thought that game was setting up to be, you know, through no fault of the stars, uh, a bloodbath for sure. It was you know the first time I think we'd seen the Predators and and it it was just setting up to be one of those games where you run out on home ice and and get beat like six to two or something stupid. The Predators still haven't lost a road game yet too. That's another factor that we knew going into this game where. We're looking at a team that hasn't lost on the road yet. I want to know what PK was so mad about in the second period there with Jamie Benn. Two of them were going at it, and then a minute or so later, it led to a PK Subban penalty, which led to the Stars' power play goal. But like you mentioned, I mean, it is nice that they got a point out of that when you consider the banged-up lineup that the Stars are rolling out right now. But it was frustrating still because they had a 3-1 to lead. And they could have closed it out with that, or they could have continued to close out their 4-3 to victory. Or the most frustrating part of it was that they had a 4-on-3, basically a four, a full 4-on-3 in overtime, featuring Jamie Benn all alone in front of the net, stopped by uh, Soros's blocker. But other than that, you're looking at a game that the Stars probably should have won. And I previewed this a couple weeks ago when I said that you can attempt to hold a lead and not get any shots against a team like L.A. that's not that great. But whenever a team like Nashville is here, you're not going to be able to do that. And sure enough, it played out last night or yesterday afternoon like I had thought. Um, but you mentioned the catfish. I think the catfish. Was it your first? Let me let me interject. I know you've seen road games in Nashville, right? I've seen – I've been to two Nashville Predators games, but one of them was a Stars game. That was a 3-2. to yeah. two. Was that your – so was was – yesterday your first catfish experience even having seen two games there i was trying to think to myself i was like have i ever seen any team throw something on the ice have i ever witnessed any type of animal be thrown onto the ice and i think i've seen plenty of red wings octopi on the ice you've probably seen some fake rats i've seen in your old home state yeah i've seen some rats i've seen they threw rats here in dallas at one time Uh, i've seen a lot of octopi that was the first time i've seen a catfish and it was such a strange scenario because it was right at the very beginning of the third period before they dropped the puck and there was some commotion going on down in the stands down there in the i think it's the north end yeah or call it the north end of the ice the stars shoot twice end and a group of frat bros were getting prepared to throw a catfish onto the ice and once they threw it out there it almost seemed like they were going to get away with it because they were celebrating and high-fiving each other, and no usher was coming down to to you know, grab them and get them out of there. So I thought they were going to get away with it at first, but they did get confiscated. They were not confiscated, but they did get taken away. The whole group had to leave, and I saw a tweet that said they might have to face jail time, which that would be kind of funny. And But it was intriguing because, you know, obviously that, that sparked the comeback 
two minutes later, it was already three to three. And the other part of that that was really frustrating to me, and we've seen this in the past before with the Stars video team, is that along with the catfish being thrown on the ice, they played this video that included the Predators goal song, I Like It, I Love It. And that got all the Preds fans excited. They were like standing up and going nuts because their goal song was being played. And I, I get that it was like part of a, it was a video bit where they were showing a record was playing with I Like It, I Love It. And then Victory Green turned it off. And I don't know why the video team thinks it's a good idea whatsoever to play the other team's goal song. And they've done that before. After the Cubs had won the World Series uh, well, like two years ago, they played the sh- when the Blackhawks were here that next week, they played the W song. And all the Hawks fans were standing up, singing along. Why would you want to get the visiting fans fired up? Even if it's for the sake of a pointless bit. Like, I don't know why they did that, but who knows if that really was the catalyst for the comeback or not. But I'd like to think that it is. I don't think the catalyst for the comeback was the catfish. The catfishalist, if you will, I guess. That's a terrible one. That's just bad. I just need to retire retire that joke. But... Um, it, I, I don't think that was a catalyst. I think the catalyst is the fact that the Predators are a very good hockey team and, and the Stars were playing, you know, a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience and, you know, the Predators were down, you know, the pair. But a team like that, you know, they, they don't panic. They know they're good enough. So they came out and they said, let's just turn it up a little bit. And these guys are rolling out an AHL defense. I bet we can just go score a couple, you know, if we just jump on them quick and, you know, it happened. So let's think about I, this catfish for a second, though, because usually when a team has fans that throw octopi or a catfish or something on the ice, a live, not a live, but a dead animal on the ice, they do it like before puck drop for the first period. So these guys had to carry this with them throughout 40 minutes of hockey. Through the you got to sneak that in somewhere too, that, which is I, I always like to think about that factor. Like they're not just letting you walk in the door with a catfish in your arms. You got to you got to have that thing tucked away somewhere, and and that's a that's an interesting uh, dynamic in and of itself to think about where the hell they were hiding that thing for two periods. That thing was probably wrapped around somebody's stomach for two periods, and the people sitting around them were like, "What the heck? What is that smell?" And then sure yeah. enough, they threw it out there. And it's, and it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, too, because I remember, you know, for the Preds playoff runs, the, the Titans were very involved um, last season, which shout out to the Titans, by the way, blowout win of the Patriots today. My team, it's it's a long story uh, for you listeners. My dad's from Houston. He was an Oilers fan growing up. He uh, followed them to Tennessee. Now he's a Titans fan. So I inherited the fandom. Long story, long story short, they beat the Patriots today. So shout out to that. But uh, circling back to the catfish thing, it's a weird dynamic because I remember all the videos of like Taylor Lewan and, and Mariota and everybody, you know, the Titans fans in their suites for the playoff games and stuff. And they had like six catfish in there they, and they were drinking they beer poured a and beer shotgun it into the catfish's mouth and then poured the catfish, the beer out of the catfish's mouth into their face. Yeah. But I, I don't have a problem with any, it would do whatever you want, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic because like that has to be sanctioned, you know? Like it's a fan can face jail time and I guess they weren't throwing it on the ice technically, but still, you know, a fan can face some pretty serious punishments for, for stuff like that. But then there's Taylor one, the professional football player up in the suite, like just double fist and catfish. 
Like, and that's sanctioned. It, it's just a weird, the whole deal probably just needs to go away because it's, it's, it's a really strange thing. I think that it's all a weird, even the, the octopus it, for the red, like it's all just, it probably just all needs to go away. And maybe that makes me a weird, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I know there's some traditionalists out there, some people that think it's, it's funny and it's part of, you know, those teams identity. But for me, it's, it's probably just time to retire all that stuff. You're telling me that those guys can bring a catfish in, but I can't bring my suitcase into Prudential Center next Saturday because I want to go to the Devils game when we arrive for the Stars Road Trip. They told me that I can't bring my suitcase in and can't get it checked, but these guys are able to bring a catfish in, which it reminds me of, I mean, it's it's kind of related, but I, one of the last couple games, I saw a Stars fan carrying a squatty potty as they were making their way huh. into the game. As if this guy brings his squatty potty with him wherever he goes, even at a Stars game. That was very you gotta strange. got to have healthy bowel movements, man. So the catfish, regardless. the catfish wasn't the strangest thing that's been through the doors of American Airlines Center because somebody brought their squatty potty through. You never know. when the Hey, when the need strikes, you got a system. You got uh, to engage the plan. But I guess that's enough uh, catfish talk. Uh, we should probably get into some of the other... Uh, interesting topics as far as actual stars personnel and the Dallas Stars as a team. The one for me is Honka continues to be a mystery. You know, it's 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 a it's undeniably a fantastic opportunity for Honka. You know, just as far as he's going to have to play for a month, regardless whether that's top pairing, he's going to have to play for a month because you're just down to a state of of injury and and the personnel that you have where he's probably top three defensemen that are still able to roll out on a nightly basis he's easily that you know depending on what you know Mathot and Polak on a night-by-night basis which sounds like Polak was just temporary injury and I mean illness and and not a huge deal but you know Honk is going to get his chance and, and Montgomery said as much like you know if you really feel like you belong at this level and you belong in the starting lineup night in and night out like here's your opportunity to show me and and it's he's always such an an enigma because you look at a guy like Klingberg and and this was a point that Sean made that I I share um you know it, it's a it's an enigma because it's risk versus reward all the time and with a guy like Klingberg he's become good enough on defense and the 4 5 6 7 offensive plays that he makes every night far outweigh uh, a bad turnover or two and and even then I think he's become better on defense but for Honka it's it's much more 50-50 right now and and that's a tough place to be because you know you look at that goal that that he set up for Sagan in the Predators game that was beautiful that move to you know he shook uh, the guy that was defending him he walked down the boards you know took it to the net the vision was amazing great pass right on the tape Sagan puts it home that's the potential that he has, especially on the offensive side. But then you look at the the turnover, um, you know, for the Predators' first goal, for the Hartman goal, the five-hole goal, and that's just miserable. You know, he's he's indecisive. He's trying to go up the boards. Hartman's standing right there. He sends it right into his shin pad, and he picks it up and goes and shoots a five-hole. And you can argue whether or not that was a soft goal. I thought it was pretty soft. But at the same time, it's set up because Honka just – it was it was a terrible turnover. It was just given to him. So – that line is is really interesting for Honka because Klingberg falls firmly on the reward side. You know what I mean? Like like the risk is firmly outweighed. But for Honka and and the the time on ice, you know, against the Predators kind of reflects that. You know, Haskinen almost played thirty minutes. Everybody knows that's what's going to have to happen. Lindell played twenty six. That's going to have to happen. Those two guys are going to be your horses. You know, especially while Klingberg's out. 
But then you look at Hetherington played 10. He's obviously the one with the, that the coaching staff had the least amount of confidence in, which is why he was the the um, the guy returned to Texas today when, when Pollock's ready to come back. Um, but Gleason and, and Hanley played more minutes than Honka. They played uh, almost 19 and 18 respectively, and Honka played 17-50. So it wasn't... You know, it wasn't a blow away, it wasn't a blowout, but you would think in a situation like that where you have guys, you know, playing their first game with the Stars this season on your bottom defensive pairing, Honka should have played five more minutes than they did. But they they both outplayed him as far as time on ice, and I thought a lot of, at a lot of moments, you know, as far as play on the ice. So it's he's a he's a very interesting uh, enigma and mystery right now that that I think we're going to need some more data data points to solve. At least Gleason got his first point. And it reminds me of a tweet that I saw earlier today from Shapiro. We referenced Sean Shapiro so many times in this podcast. He should get a credit in our description. But right. he said that... So Gleason got the assist on the Gurionov goal. It was Gurionov's yes. first NHL goal, and it was Gleason's first NHL point. And for some reason, yep. it was up to Gleason to decide that Gurionov should get the puck because it was his first goal. I don't think it was up to Gleason because Sean actually replied to somebody on Twitter. He said that Gleason was just the on, the only one around, obviously, because I guess Gurionov had already been sent. Because he was like, Gurionov was, I think, in, yeah, he was in the Texas Stars game today. So he was probably already out of the building. So maybe Sean just didn't get to ask him. Wouldn't you so, think that, I, obviously, the person that actually got their first goal would get, their, get that puck? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, uh, the first NHL point's a big deal, too. But I, I'm with Gleason. I think that... As much as it sucks, you kind of have to, you kind of have to give it to the guy with the first goal. But and it sucks that Gurionov. Maybe they Gurionov, cut in half. Who knows? It sucks that Gurionov already got sent down. I don't think either one of us thought that he was going to go down this quickly. But we also didn't think that Radulov was going to come back tomorrow. Um, we yeah. kind of sucks that he didn't get the opportunity, kind of like Honka has right now. Where if you know if Gurionov had maybe two weeks here in Dallas to see how things go, he got a goal in his first game. So things were going well so far. I wish he had another chance to see how he was going to perform, but he's already headed back down to Austin, so that's unfortunate. Got a goal in his second game, right? I'm sorry, yeah, he played on Thursday, so. Yeah, yeah. You, but you a, said, did he have a point in his first game? I don't know if he Is got a it? point, but you said. I think he did, because he, while he was up here, I think he had his first NHL point and his first goal, which we can <laughs> we can also discuss the merits of that first goal. I don't, I mean, you, you take him how you can get him, but that's got to be a little bit of a letdown to be like, yeah, it's my first NHL goal, but I probably didn't even feel it off my <laughs> off my knee pad. I probably didn't even know that I did it. When I saw it live, I thought it went straight in off of Gleason. But then yeah. when you look at Gurionov's celebration as if he had just scored a, a Stanley Cup clinching overtime winner, even though it went off his right. knee pad, I figured that it probably was Gurionov. Right. You mentioned giving um, Sean credit for how much we reference him on the podcast. I do want to make sure that on this episode, um, we, we give a, a shout out to Keaton Burns um, at It's Keaton, K E A T O N on Twitter. He's in the 30 minute misconduct bio. For for no reason other than his own goodwill, he reached out to me on Reddit this week um, and, and offered to do some logos for the podcast. Um, we obviously took him up on it. They're fantastic. So all our logos now on, on the Twitter and, and the podcast feed, I think, um, maybe it's still our picture, but we'll probably get that changed over at some point. But I just wanted to make sure that this episode did not go by without us thanking Keaton. Um, he was uh, he was kind enough to do that for no reason other than he just felt like it and, and had some free time, apparently. So 
Uh, the logos are great. We're, we're very appreciative. He's in our bio if you want to check out. Uh, he's in the 30-Minute Misconduct Twitter bio if you want to check out um, his Twitter, maybe some of his other stuff or, or request something. Um, but, but that was very nice of him to do that. So I wanted to make sure that we got that in this episode. So I guess from here, the, the thing to talk about is, is moving forward. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting time for the Stars because I think that, you know, with Polak back and, and Mathot maybe coming back, I mean, there's talk that he might be able to play Monday. Um, but like I said, he's kind of a perpetual day-to-day guy, just the nature of his injury and, and you know, whether or not he can go on any given day. So it's not going to quite be as bad as, as the Predators game, I don't think, anytime in the near future, unless somebody else goes down. But there's there's a lot to think about and a lot to look for in these upcoming games. And, you know, as we talked about, there's a there's some pretty difficult stretches, you know, coming up. You got the the thing that may help is you have the game Monday against Columbus. Uh, and then you have three days off and you host Boston next Friday. And then you have Saturday off. But then Sunday starts that crazy um, six road games and one home game uh, over like 11 days and three back to backs, which, you know, having John Klingberg out for a month um, and, and having so much of your defense kind of up in the air is is not likely where you want to be, I guess, heading into a, a, a part of the schedule like that. I didn't think about it until yesterday. This half AHL lineup that we rolled out yesterday, not good timing for my road trip to New York next week. I'm going to be traveling yeah. to New York to see the Texas Stars take on the Islanders and Rangers. And then, yeah, and then you also factor in the fact that I'm going to be at these two games. So out of those six games, those are two losses that are confirmed right off the bat. Yeah, with your road record, who knows what the hell is about to happen on this road trip. Or maybe... You know, maybe you get the shocker of all shockers and, and you go 2-0 and somehow. But um, The beauty of I, the road trips is that every single time, despite how bad my record is, every single time you go into it thinking, today could be the day. This could be the trip that we come back with four out of four points. This could be yeah. it. Who knows? I think one of the other interesting things moving forward is, is Gleason because – one, it's interesting that Hetherington is the odd man out, although it's the writing was kind of on the wall for for his entire time up here because I think that, you know, his time on ice, especially if if you remember, I think the game like right when he caught when he got called up, his first game this year, he played hardly at all. They basically ran five defensemen, if I remember right. So obviously there was, you know, not I don't I don't want to say not a lot of trust. I mean, obviously they they feel a certain way about everybody in the organization. But at the same time, you know, you have Gleason and Hanley you know, playing yesterday and playing 18 plus each and then, um, you know, Hetherington playing 10, that says a lot about kind of where he's thought of. But but Gleason specifically, and, you know, to reference Sean one last time, I guess, in this podcast, he was talking to Montgomery and Gurionov about Gleason and, and Montgomery specifically said that, that he liked his confidence. You know, he liked the fact that he came in and he believed he could do it. He wasn't afraid to make plays. Um, he wasn't afraid to play in big situations, and, and he got rewarded. He played a lot. You know, he, he played a lot um, at big moments in the third. I think he played in overtime. Like, he, he had some time um, in some, some big situations. Um, so it's it's a good story, and I think it's indicative of something that we've talked about a lot with Montgomery. Like, one, he's going to play the hot hand. He's going to play a guy that's going well, regardless of who you are, and a guy that's making good plays with the puck, especially on the back end. But two... The attitude that you need to succeed in this league a lot of the times, and I think it's part of 
Val too, kind of coming back and, and playing better is, you know, something we've talked about on this podcast a lot. Confidence goes a long way and, and not being afraid to make mistakes, not being afraid to try to make a skill play. And, and I think that, you know, good for Gleason for, for coming up and, and taking advantage of that kind of mindset a little bit. Val had a really cool play in the second period yesterday where he was coming in and he purposely shot it wide and then got his rebound. He almost scored. He's getting yeah. closer to getting that first goal of the season. This team misses Connor Carrick. And you mentioned him possibly coming back soon. He hasn't been skating. But he's on a scooter. He's got a like one of those boot scooters. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be Not out for a while. Not the boot scooting boogie, but the boot scooter. He's going to be out for a while. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, his... It's an interesting thing because, you know, he's going to be – he hasn't skated in over a week, and obviously with an ankle injury, it's going to take some time even when you do start skating again. Um, you know, it's one of those things we're going to have to work back and, and probably spend a good week, week and a half, maybe longer, just getting back up to speed and getting to where you trust your own ankle again because, you know, in, in any sport – whenever you're injured and you go out, it takes, it's a mental thing too. It takes time to learn to trust, you know, that body part again, but, but especially, you know, ankles on the list of, of important body parts for hockey players, you know, feet and ankles and legs are, are all pretty high on the list because, you know, skating and skating ability and feeling confident in your skating is, is pretty fundamental to having success, but yeah, we'll see. And, and it, it makes it interesting too, because Bay Ruther, um, who, was hurt at the HL level with a knee and has come back has been fantastic in his return. I think he's played pretty well all year, but has already in his couple of games back been really good. So then, you know, you start playing with, well, what if, you know, Hanley and Gleason are, are still up, but, but Hanley has a bad game or, or Gleason has a bad game. And now Bayreuther's playing really well. Is it time to, you know, make that swap? It, it's, it's, it's interesting because for the first time in a while, the stars are going to really have to do some, some cap and waiver gymnastics and decide who they want up, who they want down. And that's a big reason Gurionov is going down just because of his, you know, you, you mentioned his situation and I don't know if I really touched on, you know, my feelings about it. It's just one of those unfortunate situations, I think, where, you know, he would have had to have done something truly special to earn staying up because of the cap gymnastics and the, the moves that the stars would have had to make to keep him. Because then you're looking at sending a guy like, I mean, who do you send down at that point? You can't send anybody down at that point that doesn't maybe have to go through waivers or or it doesn't screw with your cap or, or anything like that. So it's interesting, man. It's it's a tough one for him to swallow for Gurionov, but at the same time, it's it's just shaping up to be at least for the next month one of those little uh, one of those months, one of those scenarios where a lot of strange things are going to be happening between uh, between Austin and Dallas on I thirty five. A lot of guys coming and going. I would assume. And speaking of confidence, as my neighbors above me stomp around and be incredibly annoying, welcome back, Tyler Sagan. Yeah. He's got goals in back-to-back games after not scoring for an entire month. He's looking good. He's getting some confidence and getting back out there. And he knew it was going to come because all the chances he was getting, all the shots on goal he was taking, he was getting a lot of posts, I believe, too. Good to see him back on the scoring sheet. Yeah. I guess before uh, before we wrap this up, we're we're getting close to time, but it is Sunday, Billy. So we got to uh, we got to hand out some some weekly awards. Uh, it's a an interesting week. Um, I believe just the the two games. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to uh, to be said. 
Uh, Thornton with his 1500 goal, obviously not going to get an award from this podcast, but but good for him. One of the guys, you know, the Sharks, one of those teams that that you have a uh, a dislike for, let's say, to put it mildly, but. But, you know, Jumbo's already always been a guy that, you know, has played the game the right way, I feel like, and and, and done things well. And, and you don't play 1,500 by accident. You know what I mean? So so stick taps to him, for sure, for, for that accomplishment. Um, Spezza obviously deserves some sort of award. I don't know what we'll call it, but but for playing his 1,000th game, um, I think he's experienced a real resurgence this year. Uh, he's playing a nice role. He's getting on in his career, and, and there's been talk of him even being willing to take a pay cut to stay on. Um, you know, with the stars and, and kind of finish out. So, you know, maybe that's something he'll do. Uh, great guy. You know, thousand games couldn't happen to a better one. But man, it's it's a tough week to pick an MVP. It's it's a tough week to pick to pick out somebody because there was a lot going on. I mean, there's the resurgence of Sagan. Um, there's Haskin and stepping up and and playing almost thirty minutes uh, against the Preds with Klingberg out. Uh, there's there's Gleason that came up. Uh, and, and did a good job. Hanley even did a good job. Um, Honka had that that nice play. If you're going to give an award for you know highlight of the week, that's that was a pretty good one. Um, but but I think I'm going to give mine to to Val Nichushkin and and just kind of the 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 reemergence because he's been moved back up to the top six and the top line um, at times. You know with with Radulov out, I think he's really flourished. I think he's starting to play with some of that nose for the net that made him so good. Um, in his first season with the Stars, and made him so good when he went back over to the KHL. Um, he's 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 really getting it going as far as kind of his power game and his skating game. You mentioned that play he had uh, yesterday. So, just for the for the resurgence and and kind of the 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 coming of uh, not coming of age, I guess, but the maturation process and and figuring out the NHL level again uh, under a coach that I really do feels like believes in him and and recognizes um, you know the talent and the potential there. I'll give my uh, my weekly MVP uh, from from a list of many candidates. I'll give it to Val Nichushkin. Spets has an easy pick, like you said. Yesterday was a really nice day for him. You had the the beautiful ceremony before the game where he got his silver stick and he got a, a nice little plaque from the players. And then Tom Gallardic even gave him some luncheon that he's going to be able to host where, with a bunch of Cowboys greats or something that are going to be there to hang out with. Um, so that, And he had his family there. He had the wife and kids and parents there, and he scored on top of that. But I'm giving my MVP of the week, really of the season, to the goal Tending duo of Hudobin and Bishop. Yesterday was only the second time this season that the Stars goalies have allowed more than three, which is pretty damn good if you think about it, especially when yeah. you look at there used to be a time and place where if the Stars didn't score five or six, they were going to lose because the goalies were very porous. But now you've got guys, here we are, several weeks in, I mean, a whole month and a half into the season, and that was only the second time that they've allowed more than three. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Hudobin's been a nice, I don't even want to say surprise, because I did think that, you know, he still had some, uh, some good, uh, some good games left in the tank. And, and he's certainly proving that. And and kind of the other encouraging thing is that I thought Bishop, you know, for him was, was pretty bad yesterday. And and he wasn't bad, but but for the standard that he's set for himself, and, and the, the performances we see night in and night out from him, you know, the Stars could have won that game with a couple extra, you know, Big Ben, quote unquote, saves. Um, and and it didn't happen. But but without question, the duo has been really good. Hudobin's been great. 
Um, and I guess also shout out to, uh, I did see that Kari Lettinen was in the crowd last night. And I saw I saw on Twitter somebody tweet, what if he was our uh, emergency backup? Still technically a free agent, but how great would it be if he signed up to be the emergency backup? Both Bishop and Hudobin go down in a game, and here comes Kari Lettinen. Here comes old number 32 out of the tunnel to make his uh, his final appearance in Victory Green. That would be fantastic. That would be pretty funny. And speaking of or going back to Hudobin, I think he's playing even better than the Stars thought he was going to be. Because look at the confidence they have in him right now to roll him out in Thursday's game. Nobody expected him to start in Thursday's game. Maybe he. I would think the next time we're going to see him is Brooklyn or Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, but he got the, the go-ahead for Thursday's game, and that just proves just how well he's been doing lately. I think he's been even better than Bishop, especially when you look at Bishop's performance yesterday. He's doing everything you want a backup to do, literally. That's all. You, that's what you want out of a backup. You want him playing consistently. You want to feel like you can get him in um, on nights that aren't just the second night of a back-to-back or your your starter's hurt. You want to feel like you can establish a true rotation where, you know, maybe it's three to one or, or you know, it, 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 it depends. But, you know, the ideal scenario for a backup goalie is kind of a 1A type where, you feel confident that even if you just want to give your starter a night off, even if you just feel like this is a better matchup, you can plug him in and you're not going to lose much as opposed to, you know, which has happened for the Stars some in recent years, feeling like, you know, we have to play our backup goaltender and, and this automatically puts us down um, in a matchup. You know what I mean? And it, it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like you don't. Uh, I mean, obviously you miss a beat just because Ben Bishop provides some some pretty insane nights um, when he's going well, but but you really feel like you don't miss much, especially with how Hudobin's playing now. And, and you also don't miss much in the, uh, the post-game interview category. He's a great interview and a, a good personality for the room, which I also really like. I was, when I was sitting there at yesterday's game, before the game started, I was like, well, for, for one, it was my first game in three weeks. I was finally back at American Airlines Center after three long and sleepless weeks away. And I was like, oh, man, of course, the game that I'm back, we're playing the best team in the West, and Bishop's in the net, and he hasn't been 100% lately. I was kind of wishing Hudobin was in there, but it was fine. I got a point. I got to see a catfish. What more could you ask for in your first game in three weeks? Not much more. And with that, I guess we will uh, we will wrap up this episode of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. A pretty light week uh, on both ends this week. We'll have the episode Wednesday with only the Columbus game Monday to talk about, which I will be at. It'll be my first game. And, and man, I'll be I guess, there, too. Oh, you will? All right. Man, both halves of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast in the building for Monday's tilt. But, uh, yeah, it'll be my first game in a while, too. I've seen, I think the two that I've been during the regular season are both the Ducks games. So I'll finally get to see a different opponent. Uh, come in here and, and play the stars. So uh, we'll have uh, coverage and thoughts and opinions and uh, mash unit updates on the defensive side for that one uh, on Wednesday's episode. Um, and then we're not sure yet. Uh, things are up in the air for Sunday. As you said, you'll be on the uh, the New York trip. So we'll see if, uh, if I want to do a solo episode or if you're going to do some sort of travel episode from the apartment or, or in, uh, in NYC or we'll figure it out. But there I may not be... Gonna... I don't think you're going to hear from me on Sunday. I think on Sunday I'm going to be celebrating by climbing up the Empire State Building after my big win in Brooklyn. I'm going to be Uh-oh. scaling the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh-oh. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we have an episode. We will definitely um, put that out on Twitter, whether or not we will, uh, when Sunday rolls around. So uh, don't be surprised if there isn't one. 
Uh, we'll make it up with a big episode um, on Wednesday that, that would cover a bunch of games. So we'll see how that goes. But we will be back uh, this Wednesday to talk about the Columbus game. Both of us will be there. So we'll have some in-person thoughts uh, and all that good stuff. But until then, you guys have a good start to your week. Uh, bundle up. It's supposed to be cold out there. It's hockey weather finally, which I always love. Uh, and we will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Wednesday.